This is the EdTech Podcast, your B2B show for the best thought leadership in the industry, bringing you education, information, and inspiration, only on MarketScale. sitting there with a pen and paper. Virtual reality is an interesting medium where students can access a wide range of content. Welcome to the EdTech Podcast. I'm your host, Shelby Skirlock. Today on the podcast, we're sitting down with Krista Glenbachy principal of Dwyer Middle School in Huntington Beach, California. She's been in education for 18 years, with 13 of those being in administration. Her passion for learning has translated into leading technology initiatives at her school and the other schools that she's been at in her career. Krista, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast. Thank you for having me. So Krista, let's open up the discussion and start with your background. Uh, how did you get into teaching? And then I guess eventually, how did you find your way to Dwyer Middle School? Well, I've actually wanted to be a teacher since I was very little. My grandma was a, a preschool teacher and I loaded up the car and went to preschool with her. And I, since that day, it, I was a teacher at heart. So when I got into teaching, one of my administrators, after I'd been in teaching a couple years, said, we really think you should get into leadership. And so crazy me, I listened to them. So I've been in leadership for about 13 years. I was an assistant principal for almost 10 years in middle school. And then now I've been at Dwyer for almost three years as the principal. I really enjoy living in the community where I serve. I live about five minutes from my school. Um, It allows me to know a lot about our community and my kids go to the schools in our district. And so I'm able to, you know, be a mom and be a principal at the same time. And that's super enjoyable for me. That is, that's, that's nice to be able to kind of be a, a neighborhood teacher, a neighborhood educator. So and that, that's a special experience. Yeah, it really is. I, yeah. yeah. Some people say no way, but I'm all for it. <laughs> <laughs> well, so when you got to Dwyer, tell me about some of the challenges that you faced there. Uh, the school itself is very historic. It's part of iconic Huntington Beach. It was built in the 1930s. And so there's a lot of school history that goes along with Dwyer parents and grandparents and aunts and uncles of kids that I have now have gone to the school and and know all about it. And so there was a rich history of, but there was also a lot of principals who had come through who were really more coaches and, you know, pumping up the school, but not really looking at teaching and learning and not really being a boss to all the staff here. And so that was a big challenge that I faced as Mm -hmm. I came in, um, was really setting that stage for we're all working as a team and we you know, are here for the betterment of the students, and how are we going to get to that? Um, another big piece that I had as a challenge is my superintendent told me when I was hired that our community did not really look favorably upon the two middle schools in our district. Um, they loved the experience in our elementary schools, and then they also loved the experience in the high school, and kind of the saying in the community was, we just need to live through middle school. Mm-hmm. So a big part of my challenge coming in was to change that 
Was that then a reflection of just the difficult age at which middle school is, or was it reflective of the learning experience there at the school before? I think it was some of both, actually. A lot of it's the age, you know. I look back at middle school and I didn't have a great experience. Right. Nobody did. Yeah. Yeah. I think you can. Maybe that's why I'm redoing it as the principal. But um, <laughs> so some of the challenges that I came into here were, you know, our community didn't really get to see what was going on inside of Dwyer. There were a lot of great things happening here. But there weren't those school-wide systems that really showcased the great things happening. There were also pockets of learning that looked very old school and very traditional. Rows of desks where students were silently working through a textbook and answering questions. The teacher calling on one student at a time and everyone else just sitting there. So there were pockets of that going on as well that were really not moving ahead with 21st century learning or any sort of new learning styles and incorporating everything that we need to with, you know, with the P21 framework that we're working towards. So I did see pockets of that that I knew that I also needed to address so that students were getting the best learning they could in in their three years here. Well, so you mentioned the P21 learning. What, uh, I guess, how did you become familiar with it? And I guess let's talk about some of the experience you had in bringing that to the school. Um, I've been exposed to the, the P21 framework and 21st century schools for quite a few years, and I had a lot of training in my previous district with it, just in, in various professional developments that I've been in as a leader. But it, it really boils down to good teaching and learning. It's what our kids need to go out and get the jobs of today and the jobs of tomorrow that we don't even know what you know what exists yet. So it's it's more about not accessing information, you know, memorizing information, that sort of thing. It's more about how to apply it and the, the problem solving and the critical thinking it's going to take to solve these issues we don't know are issues today. And so that's really where where I come from is a lens with our teachers who are very much still thinking about memorizing and getting ready for that test on Friday, thinking more about the hands-on skills that these kids need. So I really look at project-based learning as a way for our kids to have experiences that use their creativity and their imagination and, and really take their learning as deep as they want it to go and experience things that interest them. So then tell me about some of the specific features of, of 21st century learning spaces. I mean, there's technology and the design of spaces and staff development. All of these are elements of it. So tell me about the program in a whole. And then I'm curious about the design aspect. Like that's not something you would typically think of when it comes to to learning, but that is a huge element of it. So in Huntington Beach City School District, my, my school district, we passed a bond through our taxpayers that allows us to d- redesign all of these spaces from sort of the ground up. So when we looked, I, I was very lucky when I was hired, it was right in the in the designing phase. So I actually got to be a part of what my classrooms and my learning spaces look like. So if we think about 21st century learning, it really is tailored to each individual learner. So we wanted our spaces to not only have technology built in that was interactive for the teacher and the student, but looking at our furniture as well and designing the space so that students had choices when they're learning. So we have spaces anywhere from, we have some soft seating that students can get around in a little group and have collaborative discussions. We have cafe height tables where students can again discuss things, but they can choose if they want to stand or sit. Um, We have all of our tables and chairs are mobile so that classrooms can be moved around on a daily basis into different groups. We can even 
do what's called flipping and nesting of our tables where they actually flip to the side and we move all of them out of the way so that students can sit in a Socratic seminar sort of set up with just chairs. They can sit on the floor if they want. Um, you know, we have integrated speakers throughout the classroom so um, students with headsets can hear the teacher a little bit better. So the design from floor to ceiling really has that individual learner in mind. So I think we're seeing some of that flexible seating uh, being adopted in, in more and more classrooms. I know my own son had that in his fifth grade classroom. Why does that make the difference and why is that such a crucial part of this entire curriculum to kind of modernize learning? We, we've worked with OnPoint, who are I feel are experts in this area. They really have opened up my staff's eyes to different ways that this flexible seating can be used. I mean, it's as simple as a student feeling more comfortable in a space all the way to let's move the learning out of the classroom. We have some flexible seating in our hallways and it's let's send a group of students out there so that they can record a, a Flipgrid or, or a podcast of their own, let's say. Um, and it, it makes it that easy in a classroom and it, it really does elevate the learning to a different standard because students can move around and use that classroom in a different way. They can sit with with different students and collaborate. They can easily transition to another activity within the classroom. And it, it really does help them see that, that a classroom can transform into the learning that they want to see happening and not just how it's set up by the teacher. And so it really does change that dynamic of the, the student-teacher relationship as well as student-to-student relationships as well. Well, and a lot of a lot of these changes uh, also come along with technology. Uh, you mentioned some of the technology, smart boards and Chromebooks and, and those sorts of different learning tools. Of the technology that's been introduced as part of this, I guess, what is your favorite or what do you think is uh, really has the most potential to make an impact? Um, that's a tough one because there's so many great things. I think some of our or my favorite things in our classrooms are Mimeo space boards and our interactive flat panels. I see them used in all sorts of ways. Um, our big space words in the front are what the teachers can use to project, but then they can also mirror student work up on those screens and students are able to see their own work and come up and write on it and, and manipulate it in any way that they, you know, they see fit. Um, our flat panels are, are similar in that they're like a large TV monitor, but they're an interactive touchscreen. So teachers are using those for tons of different ways, too, that I really see are innovative. Students can pull up to them with a table and plug in their Chromebooks and work together on a, on a topic. You know, they can collaborate up on the flat panel. We also use them for positive behavior in our, class, in our classes. We have a, a system called GRIT at our school. It's our positive behavior um, intervention support. And so teachers will allow students to go up there and give themselves what we call GRIT coin, uh, which is their positive ticket for the day. Um, so teachers use them for that. And so kids are checking themselves in and out of the classroom using these boards um, without interrupting the teacher at all. They're giving themselves positive you know, incentives with these boards. And so I'm just seeing them used in a ton of different ways that I think have really changed what's going on in our classrooms. Well, and the, the classroom of today, of course, is so different than, than you've seen 10 years ago, even five years ago. Yes. For this technology, though, it does require a little bit of familiarity on the teacher's part. So let's talk about some of the challenges that maybe a veteran teacher might have in in handling all of this new equipment and technology. Has that been a challenge for you in your school in raising that comfortability for them? 
Oh, of course, yes. I think this is probably one of the biggest obstacles that schools face uh, because we are all growing up now with digital natives. All the kids come in knowing all this technology, but a lot of the adults don't. And so that's a it's an intimidating factor for, for many people in that they are, they're afraid and there's a lot of fear behind it that they don't want to mess up or fail with something. Um, but I really feel like that's a great learning tool for, for our kids to see is that, you know, we're all learning and we're all growing and it's okay to make mistakes. And so I try to model so much of the technology with my staff during staff meetings and and they see me goof it up every once in a while, you know, something yeah. like doesn't work or doesn't, you know, pan out the way you hoped it would. And and I hope that I'm modeling that that's okay. Um, and so I've really taken that approach with my staff and I, I tell them, I am teaching you and treating you like I would a classroom of students and that we're all coming from varying levels of our ease of use with technology. And I'm expecting you to grow, but I'm expecting you to only compare yourself to yourself. Because I have teachers here who have been using tech since they started teaching. Mm -hmm. And so, of course, it comes very naturally to them. And they're a little bit ahead of some others. And I always let them know that I, I would never judge you against that other person because you're you're learning at your own pace. And, and my only expectation is that you grow each year and that you try new things. I really use mm -hmm. the SAMR model, which is uh, a model that's been used with educational technology where... They say, quote unquote, to teach above the line. So there's kind of four four components to that. If you're not familiar with it, it's um, substitution, augmentation, modification and, and redefinition. And we really want learning to be those modification and redefinition sort of levels when we're thinking about 21st century learning. But it's OK if you've never used tech before to start substituting things. But I can't allow you to keep substituting things for years and years and years. You've got to grow from that. And so that's really how I've approached my professional development with my staff is it's been differentiated and very much I'm looking at comfortability of teachers expecting them to grow, but not to, an, you know, not being held to a standard that, you know, maybe someone else would be held to. Well, I think you've you've tapped into something important there, and that's the ability to make mistakes with the technology. I think a lot of times, uh, especially old school teachers, I mean, they are masters of their subject of of the lesson plans. Uh, you know, they they have known everything about everything that they do for so long that not having that mastery is a little bit uncomfortable. They fear that. I'm going to look like a fool in front of my class, you know, especially in front of my middle schoolers who have been using this stuff and, you know, probably think I'm the dumbest person in the world. And so I don't want to put myself in that position. So the ability to show that it's okay if you make mistakes and if the kind of ethos for the, for the students is that, you know, we're all learning together. So, you know, it's all right if you show the teacher respectfully how to do this or how to do that. And for teachers to be okay with asking for that help. I think that makes a difference there. Certainly, yes. Uh, I think for, for a lot of my teachers, they're, they're also worried about being evaluated using the technology. And, mm -hmm. and I make sure to let them know, I'm really just looking for the kids to be learning and learning in different ways. And so it, we've had to get through that kind of hump too about just figuring out when I'm coming to observe you or I'm walking through your classroom, I'm not looking to see that you're just throwing a bunch of tech at the kids because too much is not a good thing. Um, yeah. You really have to pick and choose what you're, you know, what you're going to use technology for. And it has to make sense. So, you know, that's been another hurdle that I've kind of gone through with some staff and that we're still going through that 
you know, I'm not evaluating you on your use of technology. I'm, I'm evaluating your, your learning that, you know, the learning of the kids and your teaching and that you're moving kids forward with 21st century skills. So having a smart approach to integrating all of that technology and not using technology for technology's sake, which I think is a problem that a lot of schools and businesses really can identify with. Correct. Yeah. And we have families that, you know, with everything going on now in society, that they're very worried about screen time. And so that's our job is to, yeah. you know, educate our families too, that there's screen time that's good and appropriate, and then there's screen time that's too much. So we want to make sure as a school that we're abiding by that as well. That's a great point. Well, the third element, and we've been talking about this a little bit, of the 21st century learning spaces is, is staff development. And a, apart from the use of technology, I think it's this type of staff development you're talking about is really teaching the teachers a new way, a new approach to learning. What are some of the, the methods that you've, you've used to be able to get teachers excited about studying their craft more? Well, one of the things I think that's been a favorite of my staff is we do uh, some choice sessions at a lot of our staff meetings where I will actually use teacher leaders within my own building or um, teacher leaders within the district. We have TOSAs, Teachers on Special Assignment, that are experts in uh, the 21st century skills and technology. And so I will bring them in and pull from some of my own staff and I will ask them to present different sessions and we'll have anywhere from three to six sessions available at a different staff meeting and then I allow the staff to choose which one they would like to go to you know the reason so you know we do everything from beginning Google Classroom to advanced Google Classroom uh, we do learn how to use Flipgrid and, and Nearpod and different sorts of software we offer that as well um, but then we also offer things like how to teach kids how to collaborate well in the classroom which doesn't necessarily use technology but it's getting them to a place where they can apply that to something with tech so I think that's probably been the staff's favorite way of learning is just where we're not I'm not saying everybody's doing this today but giving them as much choice as possible and and mm -hmm. thinking about what their interests are as well and and what can I do to help you gain more knowledge in tech and you know and teaching strategies with your interest in mind as we uh, start to wrap up the discussion I want to talk about the the big picture for this modern learning and the role that teachers have how do teachers really make the difference in this program's success? I think that's a super important question. I think so many people think, oh, well, now there's technology, you know, what's the teacher going to do? And there's that human element that is never going to go away. Uh, that's, to me, number one. You know, you can have as much technology as you want, but it's really not going to be successful. And students aren't going to learn if they don't feel supported, if they don't feel loved, if they don't have that connection with their teacher. And so there certainly is that art and craft of teaching that will always be there. You know, that love in a classroom that, that we see that's so exciting. And I think that's where the teachers really come in is there's that art and craft of teaching that's never going to go away. It's bringing kids together, teaching them, them that it's okay to, to strive for things, to make mistakes, to grow to learn from all of their trials. And, and that's something that they're only going to get with a teacher that they really enjoy and respect and, and just have that connection with. And, and we're really big on that here at Dwyer is, is building that culture where students and teachers feel like they're part of a bigger community. And that's, to me, that's what it's all about. And you can do that 
without technology, but you can certainly do that with technology. And, and that's how I feel that, you know, our teachers here are such an important role in how they're going to move our students learning, you know, ahead even further and further each year. Well, great stuff from you today, Krista. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you so much for having me. It was a great experience. And thank you for listening to this episode of the Market Scale EdTech Podcast. Until next time, I'm your host, Shelby Skirhawk.